My name's Aaron, and I am the pastor at Grace Fellowship down in Tacoa, Georgia. Uh, before I was pastoring, I, I was an elder, uh, I led worship, I had a home group, and uh, of course alongside of that a full-time job, and, and we have five kids as well. Now I'm a pastor, and we're still bivocational, which is great, I absolutely love it, um, and, and we pastor now, which is interesting, you never hear somebody say, I'm a part-time pastor, that just doesn't happen, even if you're bivocation, because you, you carry that weight with you, you don't just check out at the end of the day. Um, it's, it's, you carry that on you. So uh, we have five kids still. We're in the process of trying to get a, uh, adopt a sixth. And, and uh, so I, I'm saying that just to share the, the idea that, that I get it. I get, the, I get the spinning all the plates. I get juggling and, and always probably even feeling like it's not enough in any one area. Uh, so we wrestle with that. But uh, what we have here is, is just what I've learned, uh, what my wife and I have, have just come to and what works for us. So this is more than just simply principles out of a, out of a textbook. This is just our, our lives and how we do that. Let me just open us up with prayer and, and then we can get started with this. Holy Spirit, we love you. Thank you that you're always faithful to give us wisdom when we ask you. And that you're, you're desiring to be present and active in our midst and you want to open our eyes to give us insight uh, to help us be good stewards of all that you've entrusted to us. And so we just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to our hearts this morning, uh, this afternoon, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So you have on there a diagram, these, these four circles on your handout. And uh, when I originally I was trying to draw something that would kind of give us a, a vision of where I wanted to go with this, I thought about like a, a four-square uh, diagram, and I realized that doesn't really work, does it? Because our lives aren't neatly segmented into in that way. They, there's often overlap. And, and even that, as I drew that, I thought, even that's not perfect because we don't give the same amount of time to each of these areas. And each of these areas are holy. They're ordained by God. You should do family. That's, that's of utmost importance. You should work with excellence. You should, you should minister with, with as much grace as God has given to you. And, and there is a place for personal time and, and retreat and, and refreshment from the Lord. All of these things are, are God-ordained and they're holy, but they can all devour one of the other areas, can't they? Uh, we all know stories of, of people who got carried away with work and neglected families, or, or sometimes even as church leaders, uh, we'll try and bring somebody on as a volunteer, and they're like, oh, work. Work is always just work, right? It just it takes away. We're trying to build a church, and people have to work. Why? Right? It's, but there's that, there's that tension there, but people can get carried away as well with, with jobs. Uh, personal time. That can, that can devour your life, can it? I, I had a, a season recently where I had to repent because I realized the Lord just spoke to me. He says, the only time you get alone with me is when you have to prepare a sermon. It's not, that's, not, that's not right, is it? Ministry was devouring my personal life. And, and of course, we're all here because we don't want ministry to devour our family lives or our marriages as well. Um, even, even, um, even personal time. Can it? We, I've, I've heard many stories about uh, struggles in marriage because one spouse won't give up a hobby. Right? And, and, and the, the other spouse is feeling jealous of all this time that's given to that. Um, sometimes even family. As, as holy and godly and righteous as that is, as much as that should be a priority in our lives, right? family can devour these other areas. People love to play the family card when they don't want to serve. <coughs> Could you help with this? Oh, my family. God forbid our children would learn to sacrifice or prefer somebody else over their, their own time. And we should make them a priority, but at the same time we have these, we have these tensions. And so it, I hate the word balance because this is not about balance. This is about guarding 
the priorities of our lives. Guarding the things that God has called us to do. So, uh, I'm, I'm going to disappoint you right out of the gate and there's, you're going to leave here today with more questions than you do have answers. Um, because there is no one-size-fits-all fit all app or schedule or program right, that's going to allow you to work 60 hours a week, be the perfect husband or wife or father or mother to your children, give all the time that you want to the church, and take all the, the yoga classes that you want, right? It's, 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 it's about guarding the priorities and not letting the things that are, are of lesser priority devour, devour the other. And, um, and not only that, but our lives are constantly adjusting, aren't they? They're constantly in flux. Like, I've got, I've got five kids, ages 18 to 12, and what they need from me now is different than what they needed from me when, I, when they were toddlers, and as we move into an empty nest stage, it's, it's going to look different. So everything is constantly in flux. Uh, but today we're going to, first of all, take time just to, to identify priorities in our life. God, from, we're going to start a conversation with the Lord, uh, with our spouses, with our families, with our teams around us, to, to not only identify those priorities, but also identify the things that are, are robbing from us or uh, preventing us from tending to those priorities as well. And then begin to put a plan in action to make sure those, those priorities are, are kept in the proper place. So the first thing you'll see on your sheet there below the diagram is, is this, this statement that time is a limited resource. Uh, whether you're a newborn baby or whether you're a CEO or a pastor or whatever, everybody only has 24 hours in a day. The only difference between any of us in here is how many of those 24-hour periods we will have. And so understanding that we only have 24 hours and we don't know, we're not guaranteed tomorrow, should compel us to make the most of the time that we have right now because we're not, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. And so uh, Moses prays this in Psalm 9. He says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And I have a little, a little math here for you to do, but 32,850 days is the same as 4,680 weeks. It's the same as 1,080 months, which equals 90 years. And I like 90 because I'm not quite at the halfway point yet, so I've still got over 50% left if I make it to 90. But if you make it to 90, that is the number of your days. Which isn't very encouraging sometimes, right? But... This is wisdom to understand that there is, there is a limit. We're, we're given only so much. Or how about this? Over a, a week's period, 24 hours a day times 7 is 168 hours per week. Does anybody here average 8 hours of sleep every night? Two. So if you get 8 hours of sleep every night, that's 56 hours out of that 168. If you work 50 hours a week, anybody work more than 50? One person, two, right? If you work 50 hours a week, and then 21 hours a week just eating, so that's an hour for breakfast, an hour for lunch, an hour for dinner, every day. At the end of the week, if you only spent that much, you'd still have 41 hours left in your week. And again, this isn't, this isn't to condemn. This is just us numbering what we actually have and what we've been given. And the question now is, how are we going to spend those 41 hours? It's almost an entire works week, work week, work, week's worth of work <laughs> left over for us. 
And how are we going to use that? What are we going to use that for? How, would, what, how can we use that in a way that would honor the Lord? And so there's, there's a verse at the bottom of the page. For this reason, it says from Ephesians 5, Awake, sleeper, arise from the dead. You know, isn't it, isn't it true that if you have a, a clear vision for your life, well, you're alert, and you're awake, and you're focused, and you're on task, or you're on point. I remember before we had kids, it was just my wife and I, we had like zero responsibilities for our life, and we'd just sort of roll out of bed on a Saturday morning because we had nothing to do. I don't know if, I can't even remember those days really, having nothing to do, a day where you just said, I got nothing going on. And so we'd roll out of bed, we'd have breakfast, and we'd start this conversation. What do you want to do today? I don't know. What do you want to do? You want to do this? Nah, we did that last time. How about this? Nah, I don't feel like it. So finally, like 1, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, we'd finally settle on something to do, but then we'd be upset because we've wasted half our day and now we can't even do the thing we wanted to do because we're out of time, right? But as opposed to like Thanksgiving morning, right? Mom's up at 5, putting the turkey in the oven. Everybody's hustling. Everybody's moving. Everybody's working because they realize time's limited and we got stuff to do. we got a place to, place to be and arrive at. It awakens us. It makes us alive, right? To understand, to, to have a vision and a focus for our life that, that, that takes us where God takes us into all that God has for us. Awake sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. There's blessing in this for us. How many of you have have experienced that that when you tithe, when you prioritize your money God's way, there's blessing in it. You've experienced blessing from ordering your financial resources according to God's way. It's the same with our time. He'll actually open up opportunities and doors for us to have greater impact, things we would never even see before because we ordered our lives, our time, under His priorities. Therefore, be careful how you walk. Be mindful of what you give yourself to. For those remaining 41 hours a week, be mindful of what you give yourself to, what you give your strength to, what you give your, your, your finances to, what you give your, your time to. Not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So our awakening, our blessing, and wisdom is found in, in um, lost my place in my notes, in ordering our lives around His priorities. And so if you turn your, your pages over, there's, there's five, five steps or tasks just as we begin to uh, explore and break down and, and search out our lives to see, Lord, how am I making the most of my time? How am I walking in wisdom and using my time for a way that honors You most? And the first thing is just get alone with the Lord and seek Him for His priorities over your life. Scripture tells us what? That no eye has seen nor ear heard nor has it entered into the mind of man, but God has prepared for those who love Him, but He has revealed it to us by His Holy Spirit. He's not hiding from us. He's not trying to keep this a mystery. He wants to bring great clarity to your life and uh, and great purpose as well. And the neat thing about this is that everything gets ordered from here. It makes our choices so much simpler, doesn't it? Because now it's not it, we understand the priorities that God has placed on our lives, and every choice and every decision or every opportunity before us now the question is, will this serve the priorities of God on my life or will it detract from them? It doesn't have to be something sinful. It could be very good things 
but we understand, we've got clarity now and focus on our lives, what His priorities are, and therefore we can make a lot easier choices over that. Jesus you know, is known for daily getting up early and even staying up into the evening, praying. What was He praying about? He was letting the Father set His agenda for His life. And Jesus' life was full of detractors, full of people who were trying to pull Him this way or that way. He ministered in town. They'd say, stay on with us and do more. And He's like, no, I've got other places to go to. All right, the, the man with the legion of demons said, let me go with you. He said, no, no, no. He said, you have to stay here. Jesus had great clarity, great vision for His life. He understood the Father's priorities for what He had called Him to do. And that made all the difference in the choices that He made, whether He stayed or whether He moved on, who came with Him and, and, and such. This empowers you to say no. Anybody here have a hard time saying no to people? We're, we're leaders in, in the church. We're, we're pastors. We, we're shepherds. We care about people. That's our great weakness. And so we're burdened for them. But when we understand God's priorities, when we understand the things that are going to take away from that or, or things that move us outside of what He's called us to do, and we say, you know what, that, that I'm really not going to be serving the purposes of God in this body or in this community or, or long-term what He has for me. And here's the great thing about when we say no is that it actually creates space for the body of Christ to rise up and be the body and do the work. And it changes the whole dynamic of ministry because now it's not just about a few special anointed people at the front. It's about the body. The body and them stepping into their calling. Them stepping into the priorities of God for their life as well. And so it actually creates this space and so healthy for the body. But it starts with us as leaders having clarity of what God has a priority of our life. So what is He calling you to do? What are His priorities for your life? And I, as I was preparing this, I thought back over various prophetic words that have been given to me up until this point and seeing how they've lined up. And so when they're open doors, it's amazing to see, God, this is, this is something He's actually been speaking to me along the way, saying, I prepared this for you. And with great clarity, we can move in. A number of years ago, I had a, a word saying, you're going to be a father over many sons. No idea what that meant. But now as a pastor over this church, God's opened up doors for us to minister in foster care and adoption. And so it's just with great clarity to say, this is, this is what God has actually been working in us all along, and this is where the path that we're supposed to go down. In ministry, getting great clarity, what are your priorities? As Personally, as a pastor, this helped me out immensely. As I had to ask myself, God, what have you called me to do in this role? Very simple. I, I say, listen, it's, it's, it's ministry to the Word, it's prayer, and it's developing leaders. Everything else comes after those. Those are the priority. If I'm not doing those things, I'm failing in my role as, as a pastor. And so those things remain priority. Those things I have clarity and focus on. And the other things we either have to figure out as a team or I've got to say no to. What are we doing? What are your priorities for, my, for your family? I've got three girls and then and three daughters and then two younger boys. One's 12 and one's 13. They're going to need dad around a little bit more. They're going to be need, needing dad to speak in their lives. What are God's priorities for my family right now? What are the things that I need to be focusing on for my family right now? We share this with our kids all the time. You're not going to be around forever. But I'm married to your mom forever. So guess what? You take a back seat, right? This is this is priority. That's that's a healthy conversation to have with your children. They'll they'll see you live out that example and they'll they'll follow it. And it actually brings security to their lives. But I have to have clarity on that. And I have to make that a priority. 
some, some of us, uh, you know, God, some of us, that line between vocation and ministry is blurred. I have a brother-in-law, he teaches in the high school. He's gifted with, with teenagers. It's unbelievable. He'll walk into a room. He doesn't have to say he's a high school teacher and you'll just see young people just start congregating around him. And so that line between vocation and ministry is, is uh, his ministry is the high school. So what is God? What are God's priorities for him in his workplace? What are God's priorities for us as, as far as just our health or, or our spirituality or our finances? What is he saying to us? And hearing those priorities, that's, that's the greatest thing that we could do first and foremost, and then everything else comes under that. Second is this, ask your spouse. Have a conversation with them. Ask them this, what's one thing you would change about my schedule? Just, just take on one thing. Don't try and tackle everything and all the problems at once. Just like, what's one thing that you would change about my schedule? Don't make them the enemy. Don't make them, oh, I wish I could, but, you know, he doesn't want this or she doesn't. No, this is, this is priority. What's one thing you would change about my schedule? Don't wait till you hear statements like, I feel like a single parent or, or just stuff along those lines because it's too late. You have to be proactive about it now. You have to bring clarity to your life now and begin to move in those things right away. And so some uh, I listed there just some things that, that we found that we, we block times off in our schedule and they're untouchable, they don't move, we put them on the calendar and, and, and unless barring a catastrophe of some type, they stay on there. One is just regular date nights. You have to put them on the calendar. How many of you know if you don't put it on the calendar, it does not happen, right? Put it on the calendar. Make it happen. Regular date nights. This one we got from my grandparents right before we got married. It says, we always saved the last hour of the day for ourselves. It said, sometimes we read, sometimes we watched TV, sometimes we talked, sometimes we just went to bed. But it was ours. We could do with it whatever we wanted. They said, even when the kids got older. And I know that gets more challenging. My daughter's 18, and she doesn't have a bedtime. But she has a go-to-your-room time. Like, you're just, you're away. You're, you're over there. This is mom and dad's time. And the last one there, we actually got from my wife's aunt and uncle, and out of all of their siblings, they were one of only two out of five that actually stayed married. But the morning, the morning that we got married, they said this, they said, every year we got away for one night, whether we could afford it or not. And uh, you wouldn't think that one night out of 365 would make that big of a difference, but it does. And, and, and we'll testify to that. One year we thought, it's too tight, we can't do it, let's just skip it, and we worst decision the last time we ever made that decision and we've always we've always gotten away whether we could afford a night get out go pitch a tent but get out right it's so good so healthy for your marriage and in in this again it's the big thing is is we are guarding the priorities that god has set in our lives and we're taking action to be proactive about that we're not waiting for things to be a giant mess we're we're taking care of it now Third, ask your kids the same thing. What's one thing you would change about my schedule? Be proactive. Give them a voice. Hear their heart. And it's not that, that okay, oh, the, the kids are upset, now I've got to change everything. But here's the thing. I think sometimes people say, oh, you know, they, you know because of this, uh, the kids hate ministry or they, they don't want to do, have anything to do with the church. I don't think that's the church's fault. I think it's, it's our fault as parents when we don't take the time to engage them beforehand or aren't, we're not proactive about that and protecting that time with them and protecting that relationship with them. And so just in asking the question, 
You're giving them an opportunity to express things. Don't wait till they're angry at the church. Don't wait till they're angry at, at, at other people in the body, right, that are, that are pulling for your time. You can, you can actually ask these questions now. And so again, just some things we found in, in our lives that, that worked. Um, we scheduled dates with them as well. Now there's five kids and, and two of us, so we're greatly outnumbered. So the idea of having a date with them every month, uh, each of them, is really not, not, not feasible. But throughout the course of the year, we have scheduled so that all five of them will have two dates with my wife and two dates with, with me. And they know we're going to go somewhere and we're going to get ice cream. And Dad's going to ask me a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. All right? but, but in those, how are you doing? You know, what's the Lord been speaking to you? How am I doing as a dad? All right? what's, what's going on with your friends? Just those things that we're, we're, we're hearing, but we're making time to do that and, and guarding them and making them a priority. We always have vacation time away. Um, you know, we found that sometimes it's fun to go with other families and we will do trips with other families, but there is a set time every year that it's just our family and we do what we want to do because it's us and it's about us being together and cohesive as a unit and we make the time for that we put it on the schedule and we hold to it uh, third we, we look for ways to combine things right some of these spheres instead of allowing them to devour one or the other how can we bring some of them together so I need to exercise my son likes running so we go running together he dusts me he just I mean he's he's gone and we don't have deep, heartfelt conversations while we're running. Usually I'm winded, right? And he's just flying. And, but, you know what? He's not going to say, man, we went for a run and Dad didn't even talk to me. He's going to remember, Dad always said, hey, buddy, let's go for a run together. Right? It's, 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 it's looking for ways we can combine these things. Um, the other thing, and this is, this is something I, I found was, was really powerful, uh, you know, uh, not too long ago, there's an older woman in our church who's having all sorts of health issues, needed work done in her yard. And, uh, you know, I could have said, oh, I'm the pastor, I've got to go and, and do this work. Or what I did was say, boys, come with me. We're going to go work on this woman's yard. And see, the thing is, is that they didn't see it as, oh, dad's a pastor, he has to go do this. The difference is we're Santors, we're part of a fellowship. This is just our family culture. This is just how we do life. I actually went around to each of my kids in, in preparation for this, and I, I, said, I said, just tell the truth. Just be real blunt with me, and, and we love honesty in our family, probably a little too much. But uh, I said, I said do, you feel, do you feel ripped off? Do you feel cheated in any way? And my oldest daughter said, honestly, Daddy, she said, what you've done is that is everything that you, even if you weren't a pastor, we'd be doing the exact same things because that's our family's culture. We serve. We're a part of a body. I wasn't there cleaning up this yard as a pastor. I was there cleaning up this body as a brother in the Lord. This is just what we do. Not only that, but now I get to, to work alongside my boys as we do this. Any way you can create, take them along. Even at, even at the youngest age, if we were doing meals for somebody, my wife would just take the kids along with them. You know, Any opportunity to do ministry that we could just take them along. And then even afterwards, debrief with them. Like, did you see how much that meant to them? Did you see the way that they responded? Why do you think that impacted them so much? And see, now it's not simply trying to keep this perfect ledger of I've spent equal amount of time with family and equal amount of time in ministry. We're just ministering as a family. And that changes the dynamics of everything and the reward is exponential. Even with something like premarital counseling, uh, obviously the kids can't be there for the actual counseling session, but we'll, we'll trick the couple and we'll invite them over for dinner. 
And then they get to experience the whole gamut of marriage and family life and, and how we do things together. And so, as opposed to Jen and myself going out, out of the house to the church office to meet and being gone for two or three hours, right, as we counsel with this couple, we're in the house and they're actually just, they're experience, the couple's experiencing life and we're there and the kids are, are watching and observing all of this. And so it's just looking for ways to combine these things where it's not a competition anymore. And they just understand. Our kids, kids, you'd be amazed to find out the, 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 uh, the, the discernment they have. They know the difference between somebody who's a sponge on your life and somebody who genuinely has need. And they have no tolerance for sponges. But they are always, you know, they carry some of, of our hearts as well. And they always are sensitive to those in need. We have a woman in our body right now who's, who's battling breast cancer. And last minute, my wife had to up and, and pack and, and just go with her to a treatment center and was gone for two days. And so my wife, as she's running out the door, she says, I'm so sorry, kids. I'm so sorry. They're like, Mommy, this is Miss Jess. She needs you. Because here's the thing, is that if we take the time, if we have these priorities set and they're straight, if we take the time to make our kids feel secure, then they're really willing to release us to do what we have to do when we have to do it. And actually very gracious towards us in the times that we have that they have to sacrifice and they're willing to do that because their relationship with us is secure and they know that they're a priority to us. Okay. Ask your team. Right? Number four. Talk to those around you. Let's get other people involved in and just be vulnerable with them. Say, just examine my life. What am I not good at? I, I'm a horrible administrator. Horrible. Did I say I was horrible? I'm bad. I'm, uh, this, the, I'm not the person you want to put me in charge of all the details. So I don't touch them. Ask your team, what am I, what am I doing that I should not be doing? Right? That I'm actually causing problems in. What are my strengths? What are the things that I, that I need to be doing that only I can do? Right? You bring other people in on this process and, and begin to brainstorm with it and look at things from different angles. Um, ask your team, how can you delegate? I know, one, one of the things, I, I, I've, I've become a student of this whole idea of delegation more and more and trying to become better at it. But even planning for this trip, um, I realize how much time I spend just looking for airline tickets. Mm-hmm. Right? I've got an administrator. <laughs> Please buy these tickets. Here's the, here's the time frame we're looking for. Here's the times we'd like to travel. She found better tickets at better yeah. times flying out of a better airport. How long that took, I have no idea because I didn't do it. Right? We delegated this out. And it allows me to keep my priorities my priorities and stay focused on that. Ask them, what, what, am I not, what do I need to say no to? It's great to have brothers and sisters around you to help keep you accountable. And these things that, you know, Aaron, you, you sh- you're, you're actually, you're hindering the, all these other areas because you're given too much over here. And finally, uh, the scheduling. Put it into action. Map it out. So you're having this conversation with the Lord. He's speaking to you the things that you need to give the utmost of your attention to. You're having this conversation with your spouse, with your children, with the team around you. And now you need to, now you need to put it in action. Now you need to do something about it. Right, that's character. Um, so we schedule those priorities first, and then everything else if we have time for it. Schedule the priorities first, and then we know what we actually have time to do. Sometimes people with scheduling, they say, oh, I, I don't like the, 
the idea of scheduling it makes me feel so restricted. But actually, it's you bring that restriction when you have a clear vision. It, the restriction actually serves the vision, serves the priorities of God on your life. I, I like to use the example sometimes of if you had a water hose, right, and you just let the water flow out of the hose, it would just go a little ways and just fall out on the ground. If you're trying to wash something or, or with the water, maybe you could just sort of just sort of you know fling the water on it. Maybe it hits the target. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it gets it clean. Maybe not. But if you put your thumb over the end of that hose just a little bit, right? A little bit of restriction. A little bit of of narrowing there. That water goes a greater distance with greater precision and greater power. And that's that's what this is all about. God has priorities. He's got a calling. He's got a purpose on your life. And the scheduling that restriction it actually sends you further with greater impact and greater precision. And that's what He desires to do. So, so take the time um, just to apply the discipline of, of blocking these things out, making them a priority, and, and hearing these people around you. Proverbs 28, 19 says, Without vision, people throw off restraint. And they have no vision for their lives, so they're just given to whatever comes, however, however they, they desire to roll. Uh, to develop routines in your life. Listen, I know what I do every single morning. As I wake up, I have my personal time with the Lord. When I'm done, usually the kids are getting up. We have a family time with the Lord. Then I work out. Then I eat breakfast. Then I go to work. It's the exact same schedule every morning. So I'm not trying to find it out there sometime in the day to be able to do this. I have the routine. It's incredibly boring and not flashy at all. But I'm guarding the priorities of my life. Friday, Fridays are, are my day at the church where I'm preparing for the sermon. There is nothing that gets scheduled on those days because I've guarded the priorities of what I have to do and, and, and the things that first things come first. And then thirdly, there develop just to have a regular scheduled time of doing an audit, right? Because our lives are always in flux. There's a new season. There's a new job. There's a new role. There's a new responsibility. Our kids are older. Um, whatever it is. So we constantly have to be coming back to these things, constantly re- revisiting them. How am I doing, Lord? What, what's, what's going on? That What have I neglected? What, what are you trying to say to me in this season? Honey, how are we doing? Kids, how are we doing? Team, how are we, how are we doing? Just coming back to these things continually. 